Hi, and welcome to episode 89 of the Studio Insider Art Podcast. It's a new season and it's also ADHD Awareness Month. So I'm kicking off with something that I haven't done for a really long time, a solo episode. I've been pretty open about my journey with ADHD of late, but what I've not talked about much on the podcast is my journey with other aspects of my mental health, such as anxiety, insomnia, and depression. And the truth is that the two are very related and intertwined. So I'm sharing really transparently with you today about what my mental health journey has looked like, the treatments I've explored, and how my recent diagnosis of ADHD has brought a ton of clarity to my overall mental health picture. I feel really nervous about sharing this so openly with you, but I know it's this kind of transparency that can help others the most. This episode won't be for everyone, but I know that there will be a few people out there that will probably hear something they really needed to. I also just need to say this is a personal story. I am not a medical professional and this episode is not medical advice. I hope that it's helpful. Hi, this is Susan Nelicott and welcome to the Studio Insider Art Podcast. In these episodes, I throw open the doors to my art studio practice and how I run my business as a professional artist. Whether it be candid insider chats with my studio assistants Laura and Steph, or interviews with other creatives, or answering listener questions, there is something here for every emerging artist. I hope my journey can help you feel a bit more at home in your own. Hey friends, it's Suze here. I'm on my own today recording this podcast. Gosh, it's been such a challenging time here in Ballarat these past few months. We've been in and out of lockdown so many times and it's caused huge amount of disruption for both Steph and I who both have kids that we have to look after and she's homeschooling her little one. And yeah, so anyway, it's been tough for us to get together and to keep on top of the podcast. So Here I am recording this conversation with you today. Well, it's not a conversation, it's just me talking to you. But look, I really wanted to delve into something today and I have to say I feel equal amounts of excitement and feelings that I really need to talk about this and also trepidation because it's a really personal episode that I'm going to record for you today. This month of October, which is when I'm recording this, is ADHD Awareness Month. And as part of that month this year and being a newly diagnosed person, I wanted to just devote a few uh, episodes and a few posts on my Instagram to just delving a bit deeper into my own experience of being recently diagnosed at the age of 46. So I'm one of these late in life diagnoses that seems to be happening more and more for women, particularly. And yeah, what I wanted to unpack with you is something I haven't really gotten into before, which is the crossover between my ADHD and also other issues to do with mood and mental health that I've had over the years that now that I understand ADHD is a big part of my picture, all makes a lot more sense. And I think this is one of the most misunderstood aspects of having ADHD is that it often appears 
uh, and they call this comorbid, which is a terrible word, which simply means a, con a, a condition, a medical condition that often occurs alongside another medical condition. So ADHD is often comorbid with things like depression and anxiety. And in fact, anxiety is incredibly occurs at a much higher rate. I think it's like five times more likely to appear in an undiagnosed person with ADHD. So for me, that that is one of the things that has definitely risen in the past few years for me is an increasing level of anxiety to the point where it actually for me became quite debilitating and also resulted in major insomnia. So back a few years ago, I ran an art retreat in the south of France, which was an amazing experience and a beautiful dream come true and something that I had hoped to do for a really long time. And and it happened and it went ahead and we sold out and it was a it was a beautiful, rich, amazing thing to do. But it also triggered for me one of the worst periods of insomnia uh, that I've ever had in my life. And what I can see happened in retrospect is that I was so overwhelmed with the amount of things on my to-do list and also very hypervigilant about trying to remember to get all of those things done because, of course, as a person with ADHD and not knowing it back then, I have a tendency to forget things and to miss I's and miss crossing T's and so I became hypervigilant during the period of preparation, uh, which was about a year lead time actually. So it was quite a long period and I just stopped sleeping. I just, I, I really found it hard to get off to sleep. And of course, I, this went on for many, many, many months, like about eight months. It was a very long time that I was going through this and and I, did, I had anxiety, I had all of the symptoms. I was, you know, teetering on the edge of depression and I probably had it actually, but at the time was not admitting to myself. So after returning from that trip, things did settle down a bit, but then they started up again. And at the time in that entire year leading up to going and doing that retreat, I was also seeing an integrative GP, which I think in the US is known as a functional MD, and which means that they are a doctor that also works with natural therapies and I at the time and I still am a huge advocate of natural medicine herbal medicine I've taken herbs for years that work really well for me that are prepared by a naturopath and that had been good but it hadn't resolved the issues that I had and she was an incredibly skilled integrative GP who worked very closely hand in hand with a naturopath. And she also had quite a spiritual outlook, which was really important to me because I, I see our health and our spirituality as a very intertwined thing. And another person that I work with regularly who I've had on this podcast a couple of times, Myri Morsi, who coaches me and I've done therapy with her over the, she also is aligned with that outlook too. So I had worked with her for over a year and had been working with herbs, all the herbs and natural therapies and meditations and suggestions and all of the coaching that I'd been getting with Myrie as well for that whole time. And I still found myself overcome with these symptoms of uh, chronic insomnia and anxiety and depression as well was starting to become a real problem because I simply wasn't sleeping and 
really it just felt like my whole mental health was crumbling. So I got to the end of the road where I realized that I had to do something other than I was doing. I actually was having to take sleeping pills a lot, which isn't something that was good to do in the long term, but I had to sleep. So I was using those. So I was advised by my integrative GP. She very kindly sat me down and said, I think I've actually done all that I can do for you in within the natural medicines realm. And she said, I don't, I think I've only ever said this to three people, but I think you actually may need to think about going on some other form of medication for your problem, such as an antidepressant. And she suggested I go and see a psychiatrist because psychiatrists are the most skilled. Their profession is all about understanding pharmacology and the very precise and specific differences between medications that treat different mental health conditions. So this was a huge stumbling block for me. I've always been a person that believed that I could I could heal whatever was going on with me naturally. And I had in fact been on an antidepressant in my 20s, sort of maybe 15 years prior to this particular incident and had been on one of the most addictive forms that are very hard to get off a particular type of antidepressant. And I'd kind of sworn to myself after that experience that I didn't ever want to take antidepressants again and that there had to be a better way and that I could find natural solutions. But I had to sit down and admit to myself at this point that I had done everything that I could I had been in therapy with a highly skilled therapist for many years. I had researched extensively and tried every natural therapy available to me through multiple practitioners over several years. And I had learned to find a way to balance and manage the anxiety and some of the mood stuff. I'd found a way to balance it, but it was such an enormous effort for me to remain on an even keel and to just not experience these huge ebbs and flows with every day. And also I couldn't sleep. No matter what I did, I couldn't, I was really struggling to sleep. There were periods when I could sleep, small periods of time, and then it would start up again, this insomnia. So after reaching the end of that road, I finally did go and see a psychiatrist and was put on a medication, an antidepressant that I take at night that is really great for helping people with insomnia, but also with general mood stuff. And it took a while for me to wean on to this medication and get used to it. And there are a few little problems in the beginning, but I began to sleep. And over the subsequent months, I also found that I was just so much more improved with my general day-to-day mood and my evenness of mood and I wasn't depressed anymore, which I thought would come along with being able to sleep anyway, but you you just kind of never know what's going to happen there. So overall, I was so blown away by how effective this one 
pretty small dose actually because I'm very sensitive to medication, this one particular pharmaceutical that I introduced into my regime of natural therapies, the impact that it had on me was so incredible and amazing that I couldn't deny that there was value in pharmaceuticals when they're used precisely and correctly. And I have to say it actually transformed my life at that time and I still take them. And I don't know that I ever want to be off that medication because it has given me a stability in my life that has eluded me for, I don't know, decades. And and just knowing that I am able to sleep at night is the most incredible, incredible thing. But the thing that I have learnt through the process of being on that over the past couple of years is that it is entirely possible to take pharmaceutical medication and embrace that and the gifts that that can bring to your life alongside all of the natural therapies that support health and well-being, which I still take a lot of those. I don't take as many of them as I used to because I don't need as many of them because I am not in a state of crisis so often as I was back then. But I still take them and they still really help with my general well-being and my health. And also, I haven't stopped having a rich and beautiful spiritual life alongside taking that medication. I think one of the common misunderstandings about taking medication for mental illness or mood disorders is that it will numb you out and then you're ignoring the problem and you're not dealing with it. And in my case, that simply has not been the case because in my case I have not discontinued therapy while taking the medication and also I did an enormous amount of uh, work, which I've already talked about on this podcast a couple of seasons ago, trauma therapy around some childhood trauma that I experienced, and then working through a number of other issues over the years. And I still see, I still see my re, um, and and I'm not planning on ever stopping that coaching because. I totally believe that when you are dealing with the issues alongside taking the medication, which I feel in my case is necessary but not, not necessary for everyone, that it's an incredibly rich and beautiful combination. And in embracing all those aspects of which I see as vital building blocks of my overall well-being, which is my, my health stability, which... I am so grateful I receive through the benefit of the pharmaceutical medication that I take and the therapy that I've done, which is, and the beautiful, rich spiritual life that I have, all contribute to my overall health and well being. And I have to say, my experience of being on an antidepressant in that space at this time in my life is incredibly different to the experience I had on an antidepressant in my 20s before I'd really done any work around myself or had much awareness around the issues that I needed to work through. So I wanted to give you that piece of the story because what I have learnt is it actually intersects with the ADHD story that is unfolding for me right now. 
And it's been so interesting learning more and more about ADHD and the conditions that commonly occur alongside it in terms of mood disorders and mental illness, such as depression, such as anxiety, because many people that are treated for ADHD, a lot of those symptoms can actually improve vastly, such as anxiety. One of the big pieces of information that has been so valuable to me in the unfolding of my ADHD journey is anxiety and ADHD, because anxiety and increasing anxiety as a clinical problem for me has increased over the past couple of years. And for me, a lot of it, I think, has had to do with my brain fading off into the distance gradually over that period, which happens quite commonly to women of my age when we start to pass through perimenopause and hormones start to shift. And there's not a lot of research out there about this phenomenon, but there is now a lot of research starting to be done about this occurrence in women. And one of the things that really intrigued me about seeking, when I was asking myself the question, well, is my ADHD something that I want to treat with medication, was stories I kept hearing about women that had suffered from anxiety, you know, their whole life, being treated for ADHD and their anxiety relieving and disappearing. And I have to say that was one of the most intriguing and exciting ideas to me was that, well, is my anxiety and the level that, that I've been experiencing that didn't used to be present for me until the last few years, is that something that's actually a result of my declining cognitive ability, which clearly has been unfolding over the last couple of years? And so that was, that was one aspect that made me really want to think about, well, you know, is medication something that I want to consider? There are a number of different classes of medication and different types of medication that are available to people with ADHD that work in all kinds of different ways. And I'm not going to detail those because I am not a medical professional, but I wanted to consider a few of those the, another one that was very appealing to me when I was starting to think about the question of if I might consider medicating was people, there, there are certain medications that work particularly well for RSD, which is rejection-sensitive dysphoria, which I've discussed in a prior episode, which is extreme sensitivity to rejection, which is something that I experienced. And when I learned about this being a feature of a lot of people that have ADHD, it was just like, oh my gosh, this is so me and such a big problem for me. And incidentally, I will say is a lot less of a problem now that I'm aware that it exists. But that was another aspect that made me wonder if, because it was quite disabling for me at times. And, you know, you open yourself up to so much rejection when you are an artist and you're putting your, your heart and soul out there all the time. And it, and it would affect me greatly. So that was another aspect that I was really interested that there were specific medications that could really help with that. Hey guys, are you loving what you're hearing on the podcast and craving a bit more from my studio? Then consider checking out my e-course trilogy, Painting as a Practice, playful classes in mixed media painting designed to nurture your authentic style. If you're a beginner painter or seeking some fresh new approaches in your art, then check out chapter one, Laying Solid Foundations. 
Or if you'd like to learn more about my ways with colour and mixed media art supplies, then Chapter 2 is a great option. And if you're seeking to really hone your creative style or learn how to create a series of larger works on canvas, then Chapter 3 is a brilliant option. Each chapter is just US$77 each, or you can pick up the discounted bundle of all three courses for just US$219. To learn more, be sure to head on over to the link in the show notes or susannethicutstudio.com forward slash online dash classes. I'll see you soon. And the other thing that I couldn't ignore in looking at uh, that question of do I medicate is I have two children that have ADHD and and they have they have medication and I know that that's a controversial thing for a lot of people but when you read the statistics about children that go unmedicated for ADHD the risk factors for suicide for developing really not good psychological problems because of their low self-opinion of themselves because they can't apply themselves and do the things that they know they can do and having seen the profound effect that the medication has had on my children's life I could not ignore the efficacy of the medication that is available. And I have to admit, after my experience with the antidepressant that I take, I wanted a bit of that for myself. So I really sat with that question for a good few months, you know, is is medicating something that I want to consider? Because in order to be medicated as an adult in Australia for ADHD, you do have to have a retrospective diagnosis for ADHD, which means there has to be proof of it in childhood. So I had to go through a whole process with a psychiatrist of being assessed and making sure that there was proof and evidence of my attention difficulty way back then, which I discovered there was because I went through a whole bunch of old school reports and there was many, many references to my lack of attention. Susan could do so much better if she could focus. Susan's really smart, but she needs to pay attention more. All of these comments, there was actually far more of them than I thought there would be because later on in my schooling, I actually excelled and did quite well in year 12 and at university, I won scholarships and Once I was studying things that I actually was really passionate about, I found that I was able to focus beautifully, which is hyper-focus for anyone who has ADHD will know what I'm talking about, which is this ability to focus intensely on things that you are really passionate about and have a genuine interest in and being able to work incredibly, be an incredible flow with your work when you're in that state. So I learned to ride that state really well through later high school and university. But earlier on, all the signs were there that this was something that was an issue for me. And then as happens to a lot of women in my age group, I I was able to kind of cobble it together through the next 20 years of my life. But after the birth of my kids and which I had in my late 30s and all of those hormonal shifts and then this perimenopausal zone that I'm in now, that was when the symptoms became so great that I... I just, I wasn't very functional and I was finding it incredibly hard to do my job. And I want to keep doing my job. I want to keep being able to turn up here 
talking to you guys and putting out this podcast and making my art and making my classes and doing all of the things. I don't want to give those up. And that was the other big motivating factor. It really got to a stage for me with my declining cognition that I was going to have to make a choice about, well, is this it? Because it was actually becoming that hard for me to just get through the day-to-day tasks and to remain focused and to just not be completely mentally exhausted, you know, by three o'clock in the afternoon. So, All of these factors led me down the road of wanting to try medication and see how that might fit for me and if that might help me with my cognitive problems and give me my life back because I kind of felt like I'd lost it in a way. So that's the space I'm in now. I have been, I've taken some time off over the last few weeks. I've ta- officially taken the last three weeks off work and I'm, I'm back this week. But prior to that, I actually had had probably three weeks off on very light duties because I really wanted to remain close to myself through the process of trialing medication. And, and I really wanted to be present with that process. And I knew that after my experience of the being on the antidepressant that I'm on that the potential of finding something that could be so helpful to me was there, but I also knew that I had to be incredibly patient with the process. And I also went into it with an understanding of how long it can take to sort out and find the correct type of medication and dosage for someone with ADHD. I'd been through it with my kids My husband is actually a paediatrician, so he works with children with ADHD all the time and has a very intimate understanding of the medications that are used for ADHD, which was enormously helpful to me. I'm so grateful that I have had access to all of that information via him and also through the psychiatrist that I see who, of course, is extremely skilled with those medications in adults. But it's still a process and you still have to, you know, try it for a few weeks and see how it sits with you. And then sometimes you need to go back and try another one and which is the process I'm in at the moment. The first one, which the the ones that I'm trying at the moment are stimulant medications. And the first one was great, but it messed with my sleep to a degree that it didn't really seem to be settling down. So I'm trying another one to see if that's a better fit. And then there are other types if they don't work out for me that I can try, but it is a long and drawn out process and one that requires a lot of presence and patience. And I've really wanted to give myself the space and time around that to be present with all aspects of myself with that medication in my system. I I want to see how I work with it in my day-to-day work. I want to see how I meditate with it in my system and how that makes me feel. I want to see it in relation to my mood and my mental health and general well-being. I want to get a really clear gauge on all of those pictures. And you can't do that when you're in a hurry. So, I'm giving myself loads of space to explore and investigate that for myself. And then there's also the question of how it's going to interact with the antidepressant that I take as well, and which so far it's totally fine. But, but yeah, I wanted to just take that time out today to walk you through that mental health journey that I've been on pretty much for my whole life. 
and how this new information about ADHD is interacting with that. And I have to say overall, the amount of pennies that are dropping for me since the ADHD diagnosis and learning about all the different aspects of ADHD are just huge. One of the greatest things that I've learned is that the name ADHD is actually, it's a little bit misleading. And I was listening to a great podcast the other day. It was actually recommended by Phoebe Gander. Hi, Phoebe, if you're out there listening, who's been such a beautiful person on my own unfolding journey. She's another artist. Go check her out. We'll link to her in the notes. She linked to a great podcast episode, and I can't remember what it is because I have ADHD, but I will find it and link to it for you. And it was an interview with a very prominent ADHD doctor, a psychiatrist who is a leader in the field and treats adults often. And he said, really, ADHD is a condition of, it's a, it's a regulation problem. It is to do, we have problems regulating our emotions. We have problems regulating our attention. It is to do with regulation. And we often have more attention than most people, which is why we find it so hard to organize our information. But the episodes that I'll link to, he spoke about medication at some length and explained it really, really well. So if you want to learn more about those types of medications, I will link to those episodes so you can listen to them and hear them for yourself. But the other thing I want to drop in here in this conversation is there is another way of relating to ADHD, which can, is non-clinical. So there are plenty of people that exhibit symptoms or signs of ADHD, but they may not clinically be classed as having ADHD and you don't have to do that. And one of the, the greatest examples of this is an acronym I've came, come across in my research, which is VAST, which stands for Variable Attention Stimulus Trait. And I think a lot of artists recognise in themselves some traits that are common to ADHD, even though they might not have ADHD in a clinical sense that needs to be treated with medication. But actually understanding that you might be on the spectrum there somewhere because all of these neurodiversities are on spectrums, it can be really helpful in helping you to understand yourself better and some of the things that you do. So yeah, I just wanted to drop that in there. Not everyone has ADHD, but if you see signs and symptoms in yourself, it might be that you have certain traits and learning a little bit about how ADHD presents for people might be helpful for you. Anyway, I'm going to stop there. Whew, have not done like a solo episode, I think, since season one. But it's lovely to talk through this with you. As I said, I feel equal parts, vulnerable, nervous, but excited to share this with you because I feel like the more that I share with the world my own experience and the reality of my own mental health situation and also my known neurodiversity, the more I lift the burden of shame that I've carried about for years around these issues and also the more passionate I feel about sharing this in the hope that people that also may suffer from anxiety, depression, insomnia, any form of neurodiversity, whether it be ADHD or autism or any other condition, the more that we're in conversation about this and normalizing this and that, you know, indeed many of us may have a little bit or a lot of that going on, 
in our neurofunctioning, the better the world's going to be. So, you know, moving forward for myself, I really want to be transparent with you guys about that journey because I know that it's these exact kinds of transparencies from people in my world that I respect that has helped me the most. So I'm going to sign off for now. You guys have a fantastic week and I'll be back soon. Bye. You can always see more of my art over at susanethercote.com. And if you're interested in learning from me or checking out the podcast notes, you can find those over on susannethercotestudio.com. I love hearing your comments and feedback. So feel free to leave a review on Apple Podcasts. And if you like what you're hearing, then why not snap a screenshot and share it in your Instagram stories? Be sure to tag me at susan.nethercote so I can say hi. And if you've got a great idea for a future podcast episode or know someone who you think I should interview, then pop on over to susannethercotestudio.com forward slash podcast, hit the button in the header image to shoot me an email. Catch you next time.